There we go. Got it now. There we go. There we go. There we go. Yeah, buddy, how's it going? <laughs> Dude, I posted. Is that just <clears throat> flowing through your nose? No. Um, no. I posted this, I don't know, meme or, I don't know, I don't know what you call it these days, but I posted this thing. It was, it was a graph that showed two bars and it said, don't let one event color your day. And it shows like a yellow bar with like this red event. And then it, it becomes like pink after that, that like red bar. Right. And that means like your whole day is ruined. Another one shows like the red bar and then orange and then light orange and then yellow again. Right. So essentially it's like move on. Okay. Before you get any further in this, where do you, okay. I'm going, okay. I'm sorry. I jumped on my laptop. I literally, I want to see what you're talking about. Okay, Did you find go. it? I got it now. On yeah. Facebook. Yeah. I'll put it in the, the notes here because it's a good graphic. Anyways, I posted this like just yesterday, the day before. And um, so this morning, we had a huge storm come through Wichita last night. Huge. And this morning, my wife woke me up and was like, hey, a tree fell in your truck. <sighs> I'm like, you know, what? this is what I said to her. I just said, that's what insurance is for. And I went back to yep. sleep. You know. It's dark outside. I'm not going to go out there and deal with that right then. So I went back to sleep for like an hour and then I woke up and went out there. Sure enough, this tree broke off and uh, this limb came down on my truck. And so I have every saw imaginable at my shop, not at my house. So my <laughs> chainsaw, my reciprocating <laughs> saw, my circular saw, every saw I have. Yeah. And my truck is stuck because this limb came over and kind of like wrapped my truck like you know, on all sides and over the hood. And so I went in my garage. You know, one thing I like about Dusty Baker, I like a lot of things about Dusty, but one of the things I like about him is, you know, he's a Marine and the Marines are always about adapt and overcome. I always think about that. Like when you, when you hit an issue, you can sit there and you can like throw your hands up and be like, oh, I don't know what to do. Or you just sort it out. You figure it out. Figure so it out. Yeah. I go in my garage and I'm walking around looking and I have a toolbox open up. There's a handsaw, like a little, you know, 18 inch, Handsaw. Okay. So I go out there and it's storming still, like lightning striking, it's pouring rain. I'm out there handsawing these limbs to get it off, at least where I can get my truck out, right? These limbs that I'm cutting are like five inch diameter limbs. There's four or five of them that I've kind of wrapped in my truck. So I have to cut those off, pull them off. Then I can back my truck out. And, uh, and then my wife talked to the neighbors and they're like, yeah, because it went across her driveway too, this limb. And they're like, you know, we, we can stay here, we can work from home. So I was like, all right, fine. Let me go to my shop and get uh, a chainsaw. So I drove out to my shop, which is like, you know, 20 minute, 25 minute drive, but it's pouring rain the whole time. Get to my shop, find the chainsaw, get back to the house. I have to like leave. I, any more barbers are like booked weeks in advance. So I booked a haircut like weeks ago and it was this morning at 9 a.m. So I'm like, ah, ah. I got to drop this off. Go get a haircut. Go get a haircut. Come back. And I got it all chopped up and stacked up on the on the curb like within 20 minutes. And then I had to go do some other stuff, some other appointments. And then I came to my shop and there's a huge puddle of water in the middle of the floor where the roof is leaking. Right? <laughs> <laughs> flex tape. Flex tape. Yeah. Hi, Billy Mays with Flex Seal. Um, <laughs> well, it's not Billy Mays. It's some other guy. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, whatever. It is what it is. We'll 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 fix it. And, you know, 
just that's life. That's life. You can't get no, it upset. Is. I was literally watching a video the other day. And again, I, I think it popped up a few times. And I'm like, whatever. And what because everything I saw was just a guy looked like he had a like a four by eight in his hand, you know, it was like three feet long and whatever. It looked like he was digging it into the ground. I'm like, whatever, man. Okay, something funny. Well, then I finally watched it and it was very similar. So apparently he had taken this whole trailer full of dirt and concrete chunks off some job, but the guys forgot to load shovels. Well, I thought, well, what the heck? He's at the dump. They'll have a shovel. Nope, didn't have a shovel. So the guy's like, well, yep, can't get it done. And he's like, yeah, watch me. So he walked over to the, you know, grabbed a piece of wood that he could find and, you know, cleaned off the, cleaned off the trailer and then showed him again, you know, 15 minutes later with that trailer full of more materials going back out to the job site. And he's like, you know, you got to get it done. You adapt. Yeah. You figure it out. Yeah. It's something I have a guy that works with me and it's something I'm always telling him, adapt and overcome. When we hit a roadblock, we don't stop. We look around, we find a solution, and we keep moving forward. We don't just yeah. throw our hands up and say, uh, you know, screw it, we're done for the day. No, we're not done. We're going to keep going. So yeah, figure it out. it's a mindset. It's a mindset. You, you decide, I'm either going to, I'm not going to say play the victim card because nobody's been a victim, but you either, you either throw your hands up and say, I can't do anything, or you say, this is a puzzle that has to be solved. You know, it's kind of like the escape room type thing where you're trying to find whatever to get out. You know, you're, you're walking around looking because there's always going to be a solution. If, if I couldn't find a handsaw, I would have got a ratchet strap and I had a ratchet strap that limb up so I could like back out. Yeah, you whatever know? you could do. Right. I would figure out something. Yeah. I wouldn't just yeah, sit yeah, there yeah. and like stare at it. But that's been my day so far. And some would say, pack it up and call it a day, but I'm a glutton yeah. for punishment. So here I am. <laughs> that's awesome well good for you yeah. good for me good yeah. for you yeah well, we finally started demo on the other side of the kitchen so that's what we're doing cool this week before we take off next week we're getting the other side of the kitchen demo nice yeah but other than that what else so i'm looking okay <laughs> maybe this is gonna be all about memes this whole podcast will be I love this one you put on here with Nikolai Tesla. That's hilarious. Well, it's not this hilarious, is, but it's well, fitting. It's, it's the irony. This is exactly where we're at right now. Yeah. You state that I have misinterpreted my results. I mean, this is exactly what we're hearing from arguments of people, supposed scholars, yada, 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 saying everything that's going on with people doesn't work. It's not practical, doesn't work. And yet... Are, and I work independently and sure shows that all my results are sound. Yeah. That seems like a driving thing right now is well, what's going on. I think on. it's, I think that, I don't know if it's right now. I think this has always been an issue. The people that are forward thinkers, the people that innovate, the people that lead the way are always, I don't know, the, 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 the establishment likes to criticize and ridicule and downplay and minimize and all those kind of things because it doesn't benefit mm -hmm. them. Advancement doesn't benefit them. Staying stuck in the old ways benefits them. And so anybody that's out there that's like pushing the limits, you know, they'll tell everybody, oh, that guy's a fool. He's an idiot. Don't listen to him. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But look at Nikola Tesla. You know, he's one of those people. Yeah. And that's always well, Steve those, Jobs. Right? The candle maker, yeah, the candle maker didn't see electricity lights coming. Exactly. 
Yeah. Guy yeah. selling horses. Eh, cars will never take off, you know. Right. Buy this it's wagon. Yeah. yeah. We saw that worked out. But that's just the nature. I think it's the nature of humans. But the Nikola Tesla one's interesting because he wrote a letter. That's, that's a letter, that thing. I post, I'll post that on the show notes. So go to KodiakPro.com. Go down to the podcast. I'll post both these things on there. It's interesting because the same thing you and I have been hearing, the yes. establishment, vendors, you know, they're all, we, we hear what they say. Our customers say, oh, I talked to so-and-so and he said that your product doesn't do anything. It's just a filler. It's just an expensive filler. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. But that's what they'll say because they don't want advancement. They want to sell a polymer additive or a defoamer or, you know, a topical sealer or whatever that's 30, 40-year-old technology the new the, the the cutting edge doesn't help them. It doesn't help them sell their old product, you know. So they're going to obviously tell everybody. Well, unless they're willing to it. adapt. I mean, that would be my hope. My hope is that okay, fine. And again, I'm I'm not stepping on any soapbox. It just so happens, based on everything you know that we've been doing, we've decided to push the envelope. Whatever the edge, whatever somebody wants to call it. Okay, and I'm super excited about it, and I think it's great. My hope is that as people gain and grab on to these new things, hopefully we're going to keep getting new and moving forward, but that other companies step up along the way. I mean, we'll see, but that's, that's my legitimate hope. Yeah. They won't, but uh, I like that you're a dreamer, John. I am right. I try to be positive. Yeah. Well, again, so I'll turn this to a rant. So not long ago, <laughs> right, now that we're doing this, ah, is... Right, we're getting ready to go we're on vacation. So I'll be able to actually week. Yeah. So now we're just, ah. So not long ago, that's what we heard from people. Like, oh, I'm glad you're not buying into the rhetoric or whatever the case may be. And so still a lot of, I don't know, naysayers. How about that? It makes it easy to naysay. I, I totally understand that. I really do. But then as people start sending us photos, their photos, not things, you know, we didn't, as you just said in the last one, this is the Pepsi challenges done by us in a way to skew results. These are legitimate feedback from customers. And one of the funny, or the, you know, again, the, I say funny, ridiculous really is the last one we posted just showing three-dimensional casting and what a difference a customer is achieving the kind of results he'd been looking for. But he's been using a product that if you, and I'm not going to say which one it was, but if you read what this product says it does, legitimately it should be pinhole-free, void-free, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that wasn't what he was achieving per what we talked about, et cetera, et cetera. But I found interesting how much pushback, even now that we've showed pictures, still this pushback, except now the language is changing. Now it's people go, well, you know, I really like the look of concrete. The look of concrete. What does that mean? Well, I mean, well, really, what, <laughs> what does that mean? The look of concrete. Here's my take on it, is there's always going to be people that want to be the devil's advocate. They want to minimize. They want whatever it is. Whatever it is, there's always people that if you say, I love red, they'll say red sucks, blue is better. 
Okay. What really like blue. Yeah. What uh, whatever it is. So there's always gonna be that group, and I, I kind of feel like the the people that say those things are or those people. It's that group that just wants to to do that for whatever reason, whatever their interest is, and in being the the opposing view. Okay, whatever. I don't care. Well, kind of, but I guess where I'm going with, so we're, we're well, members on. of another forum page. I wasn't done. Sorry, I'm still man. going. I'm okay, still on this. Okay. Go, go, where go. I'm going with this. Is, so when somebody posts a, a photo of very clean concrete out of the forum and then concrete that's full of air and also full of polymer, but full yeah. of air, and, you know, they finally found success, they didn't want air. They didn't want air pockets. They didn't want big bug holes. They didn't want pinners. They didn't want any of those things. They wanted to cast concrete, take it out of the form, seal it, and deliver it to a client and be happy and the client be happy. They didn't right. want to spend three days slurring yeah, water pulsion, slurring down. water yeah. pulsion. Yeah, they didn't want to do any of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So the fact they do that, then somebody's like, well, I like the look of concrete. Oh, really? Really? <laughs> so you're going to deliver sinks that look like Swiss cheese? That's what you do? I don't think right. you do. I don't think you do. But, yeah. uh, you know, and then your, your point that you started to go down is what is concrete? Well, concrete is, con in, in our view, concrete is concrete. Concrete is not concrete pumped full of polymer. You put plastic right. in concrete, which polymer is, is technically a plastic. You put polymer, you pump this concrete full of polymer. And you're like, well, this is concrete. You don't want that smooth concrete over there. It's going to look like plastic. Yeah. That real yeah. concrete is going to look like plastic if it doesn't have all these air holes. Well, that's, that's exactly the irony <laughs> I'm hitting here is these people saying this, then, you know, you, you, anyway, it's, I don't know, let's just say the irony's not lost on me. And where I was going with it is, so we're also members of another group, the concrete countertops, you know, sinks, furniture, and tile. And routinely people are posting pictures of these, you know, gorgeous, you know, concrete homes, you know, interior walls, et cetera, et cetera. And when you look at these, which a lot, I mean, uh, I don't know, man, they, I, that's when we look at these, I forget, what is that? What's that kind of architecture called where it's brutalist? Mm -hmm. When we look at all that again, I mean, that's that whole industry is working with clean forming techniques and right vibrate and all these things. They don't intentionally make void filled, you know, surfaces. So I don't know. It's just, I'm just going to say the irony's not lost on me that the people grasping for this other way also happens to be people grasping onto what's creating the concrete. So voidish and full of voids and et cetera, et cetera. It's just, it's, it's crazy to me. The, the what you're referencing is this, topic, this thread, this question on, on one of these forums where somebody posted a photo and said, should I fill them? And right. the funny thing is there's a bunch of people that said, no, don't fill them. Don't do it. Don't do it. The don't. funny thing, the ironic thing is the people saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Meaning they don't do this for a living. They don't do right. concrete. They don't make stuff for customers. They don't have to deal with, oh, here's your sink. Well, what about all these air holes? Oh, that's concrete. And then yeah. you like wink at them and, and they're like, okay, I guess I'll pay you for it. No, they'll be like, uh, I don't accept that. This needs to be smooth. This is a sink. This is a countertop. This is my conference table. It can't look like Swiss cheese. You need to fill those holes. So the people saying, don't do it, are selling products that will make Swiss cheese. And make, they, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they don't want you to think that that's bad. No, that's good. 
That's good. No, ooh, ooh, that's concrete, my friend. That's a plastic-filled concrete filled with air, and that's the way concrete, that's the way God intended it to be. If God didn't intend it to be, then why did he put polymer in the concrete? That's what they'll yeah, say. That's definitely one of them, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, so one thing I want to, I'm, I'm going to do that. <laughs> Here's another thing I think we should just write up. Because of, which I get, I, to me, if that bench had been a little bit cleaner, it's a very nice looking bench. Um, it, it's, I would say for me, and I know I'm very much about authentic and, you know, embracing the chaos and what you're doing, but that to me, I, again, when I'm looking at the picture, it's hard to call that a consistent inconsistency. So I, I know if that was me, I'd want it redone. That being said, based on this also being a three-dimensional cast, some of the feedback now has come back that, oh, so, and I'm talking about, you know, again, the naysayers, the, oh, the rhetorics, that the kind of materials that we're using now is only for three-dimensional casting. So, in other words, they're trying to minimize, trying to find the limits of it. So I, I was literally thinking today to do another for, you know, the guys doing the terrazzo looks, you know, yeah. heavy aggregate loads and et cetera, et cetera, who are now, and I'm going to show before and afters, casting clean finishes. And again, clean, meaning they are grinding in these deep to expose all the aggregate for the terrazzo look and not spending two days slurring and filling. And I think that's, or maybe it's not. Uh, again, I'm going to stay positive. I think that's what get lost is getting lost with these other material suppliers is I think they're getting defensive. That's my opinion is they're getting defensive about their materials. But the reality is there, I think it's their view has become very skewed and they're focused on the materials where our focus is making money and, you know, being profitable in a business. And yes, you know, the undeniably, as we're proving time and time again, your materials, I'm going to say at least has 50 to 75% part of that profitability. If it cuts your labor down, it cuts the amount of time that you're spending with this piece that you sold for X dollars but now you're working on it for three days, patching, filling, or ultimately Ike is in this thread. Oh no, just, you know, convince the, you, Hey, did you make samples beforehand and show the clients that there would be that much hair? Oh, seriously? Did, no, no, we don't do that. Yeah. So again, even the people making those recommendations are clearly not in business because there's, there's no way to do that. You just said our focus Kodiak is making money. For we're, we're making products no, that helping make, the artisan. Exactly. Money. Yeah. Yes. I don't think you made that clear that helping the artisan be profitable. And Correct. we do that through products that are efficient, that are dense, that are durable, that you don't have to spend days and days processing to get them to where you Correct. want them to be. Well, I guess that's what I meant by we. Yeah. I, and I, yes, let me elaborate. What I did mean, well, I didn't mean Kodiak Pro in general. What I meant was, and I think the people realize who we are is I just got done doing a project um, they were fabric form sinks with tall edges, you know, three quarter inch drop faces. And when I say we, I saying like, yeah, I, I sold these, they're going to some customers. And if I personally, which I have done in the past, if I spent another eight to 10 hours patching and filling and smoothing, 
you know, all of the air and voids in those drop apron faces, then I'm not making money. And I, I don't run my shop as a charity or as a hobby. So, you know, it needs to be profitable. And one way of being profitable, <laughs> undeniably now, is having materials that I cast that same vanity with. I pull it out, I acid wash it, I open it up, and then I seal. Yeah. Well, we're finding big volume customers are finally putting two and two together when it comes to time. Right. Time. Be yeah, because yeah. We, we have one customer in particular that he's been to a lot of classes, phenomenal guy, makes great products, does a lot of volume. And we've talked about Kodiak before with him, but he was very stuck on material cost only. And the material cost wasn't dramatically more, maybe 20% more, 15% more as far as cost compared to what he's currently using. But what he wasn't taking into account, what we kept trying to explain to him is, listen, dude, that's, that's not where you're losing money. You're losing money on the two days, three days of additional labor after right. you cast that is unneeded. You can cut all that out. Right. And then finally, his shop foreman got sick of it and said, dude, we, we got to stop doing this. Like, we got to yeah. stop slurring and yeah, polishing. Yeah, the labor's killing us. Yeah. Yeah, the labor's, yeah, the and, labor's killing us. And so he pushed them back. So now we're back to, to evaluating, you know, switching them over to Kodiak because that's where, you, that's where you make or break the profit on a project is labor, not materials right. cost, not the sheet of melamine, not the Portland, not the sand, not whatever ad mixture you're using or bag mix you're using. Those are all very small portions of, of the cost. The real cost is right. the 30 additional hours of your time or your employee's time spent right. processing to get it to where you want it to be, to be presentable to a client. Yeah. And we have something that we're going to release at some point where I, I actually did that and accounted for my time. I know we talked again last podcast it was $126 an hour. And I rent, went through a project and it was still, it was pretty obvious at the end. And I was pretty spot on with the times I put in there for patching, removing slurry, you know, and patching removes. My, my material costs could have tripled and I still would have made money versus the one where I use the less expensive material. And I actually lost money based on my labor time. My yeah. labor commitment actually put me in the negative. I mean, yes, it paid my bills. I get it. Yeah, I paid my bills. But there was no profit. <laughs> there was nothing left over for that pair of shoes or whatever the case may be. It just went to my $126 an hour that paid my mortgage and my truck payment and blah, 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 blah. And that's, I know for me, it's taken me years to actually focus and look at those numbers and how they truly represent how money's made in my business and how I pay my bills. I agree. So yeah. concrete, what are we going to talk about in concrete, John? Concrete. Yeah. The concrete podcast. Talk about something solid. <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> I don't know. In the world of concrete, anything exciting going on? No, nothing. Nothing. You don't think so? No. Uh, oh, I'll, there you go. Then again, let's go back to Ramcrete for a minute. This is no kidding. I was just on another forum page, Australia actually, and there was a guy on there asking, because Australia, and you might tell me otherwise, but I think Australia still uses quite a bit of rammed earth in their construction, don't they? I'd say they're the number one 
country that builds rammed earth, at least government mandated rammed earth, so they don't fight it like the United States does. China, Africa, there's a lot of rammed earth being built, but uh, Australia as a country has really embraced material and the government has really pushed it as far as building code and, ad- and adopting it and making it easy to build rammed earth. So yeah, it's very prevalent in Australia. Yeah, there you go. Well, there you go. There was a guy who got over on the Australian one was asking guys for any input on rammed earth, if they knew about it, anybody on that Australian page, because per what we were just saying, he had just gotten hired to do some interior panels for a house and they well, wanted dude, it to be rammed earth. There's yeah. planes that go from Australia to the United States. I've been on one. Yeah. So yes, I have. know they do it. I, I did it myself. I've been there. I went to Australia. Whoever, I'm not on that forum, but whoever is on that forum, if you're listening, catch a flight, come to Napa, August 9th through 11th, and we're going to have a class. We're going to talk about it. We're actually going to make ram creep panels, cladding panels, uh, in the workshop. So come out, and you can see it, and you can do it. You know, concrete tile is an interesting conversation that comes up in every class. People talk about concrete tile. Do you make concrete tile? Yes, I make concrete tile. Uh, what are issues, what are concerns, different things like that. Oh, that is a good one, yeah. I just had Zach Pease uh, calling me about oversized tile. Yeah. yeah. So I've made quite a bit of concrete tile over the years, mainly wall tile, some floor tile, but mainly wall tile because most of the people that hire me want a three-dimensional tile, and so concrete lends itself to, to a three-dimensional shape. But I have occasionally done floor tiles, and I did floor tiles for my own house. I remodeled the kitchen and did these large format, like three foot by two foot floor tiles. And, you know, I did them half inch thick. I used Maker Mix, SEC, cast them. They came out beautiful, void free, not a pinner, dead flat, all that kind of good stuff. But the concern is that everybody has is when you set the tile, that the thin set will create curling. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of ways that people deal with that. Joe Bates deals with it by using epoxy adhesive to set his tiles. So Joe has been making tiles that are like 10 foot by 10 foot. Yeah. Huge ones. Half inch thick or something massive. And he doesn't set them. Some other guy does, but they have like this big vacuum crane lift thing. And they'll use like five gallons of epoxy adhesive per tile to set the tile. And he's telling me about it. And the thing about that is there's no moisture per se. It's not like it's going to wick into it. So they set it, the epoxy sets, and it's done. I want to say Joseph Peasley, Paisley, Peasley over in France. Is he in France? I think he is. I think he's the one who told me. Yeah, I think he's the one who told me that he used fast set, thin set when he does concrete tile. So it doesn't have time to create that moisture curling issue, right? Well, yeah. So that's definitely adhesives, which we can keep talking about. And I don't want to overstep here, but also it really starts with a mixed design because that that's what I get the most questions on is the mixes. And that, I mean, just what I was saying, Zach and a couple other guys, they were recently doing large format tiles. They were asking me about the mix and fiber loadings. Yeah. You know, for the same concern, like, what do I do? And if it's not curl, then how do I prevent, you know, the weep or the sag? And, you know, as you're setting, not when I say setting, storing the tile and et cetera, et cetera. And that, that goes back to fiber 
you know, which fibers you're choosing and what combination of fibers you're choosing, PVA versus glass and et cetera, et cetera. But we can talk about that in a minute. Because, yes, the adhesives, the longer it takes those things, the more chance of it, let's say, wicking the moisture into the concrete and ultimately causing some kind of curl. Do you know what I hate about the news these days, like the evening news, 6 p.m. news? You know what I hate about it, John? Hmm. They tell you what they're going to tell you. They spend five minutes telling you what they're going to tell you for the next 25 minutes. Coming up on blah, blah, blah. You know, sharks are killing people in the ocean. Uh, just tell me about it. Don't tell just me you're going to tell me about it. Is that tell what you're me telling me? I'm telling you, you cut me off to tell me what you're going to tell me. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to tell it to you I could have finished. I would have been done by now. And then you could have just told me. But instead, we had this whole intermission where you're going to tell me what you're going to tell me. Yeah. And we could have just told me. But let me finish what I'm saying. Then you can tell me what you're saying. So what I did... I'm going to talk about it at 5 o'clock. Oh, God. Tune in at (laughs) (laughs) 5. Every day I yell at the TV when the news comes on and they spend... They spend 30% of the time telling you what they're going to tell you. Just tell me, you idiots. Just tell me. Gosh. Well, you wait. You wait till 5, buddy. It's going to be a real storm chaser. No, it'll be like 5.10 before they actually tell you. But uh, anyways, good thing I have a good memory because, you know... Remember where I left off here, but uh, so that was that was a concern. So Joseph's saying use a facet. Now what I did, and I talked to you about it, was I sealed the back of the tile. I sealed the tops with ICT, but I sealed the backs with ICT as well with Prime. Yeah. So and I put it on heavy. I rolled on a heavy coat of Prime, let it you know really kind of waterproof the backs of these tiles more or less. And uh, so I did that. And, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I wish I would have used just a, a modified thin set, not a fast set. Because what I ran into was the stuff that I picked up. I can't remember. It was a laticrete something. But it had, like, from the time you mix, and you had to mix it fast. And we were using ice water and ice. From the time you mix it, the time it was set was, like, maybe five minutes, probably closer to three is how fast it was going off. So we'd mix up, like, 10 pounds in a five gallon bucket, really quick ice water. I slather it on the back of the tile. I, you know, trowel it on with a notch trowel and I'd set it and I couldn't even really adjust it before it was stuck. It was done. That's too fast. Dude, it's way too fast because you need to yeah. set like 10 of these tiles and have all the leveling clips and make small minor adjustments and have time to make those adjustments. I didn't have any time to make any adjustments. So the tiles in my kitchen, they look great, but there's like some lippage because this tile would set before I get the next one next to it set, you know? And I didn't have, it didn't have the, the working time to be able to make those adjustments that you need to be able to make. So anyways, what I'd say is, my advice is, you know, I'm using SEC Maker Mix, using AR glass fiber. I'm not using any PVA, and I'm using it per the recommendation on our website for that mix design. And um, I sealed the front, I sealed the back. And I think, I'd, I'd probably do a test just to make sure, but I think if you're using modified thin set, it's not going to curl the tile. I think you're going to be fine. And I would not recommend using a facet that's just my experience. What's, what's your experience, John? Well, I can't say diddly about the adhesives personally. Um, but that, that's what I was trying to relate to each of these into at the time they were both asking me about pure PVA fiber mixes. Bad idea. And in, yeah, in my opinion, that's a bad idea. You know, this is definitely, this is a situation like many others where we've had in previous podcasts, the conversation of mechanical bonding and hydration bonding fibers. But this is an undeniable situation where you need, if not all, 
you need the absolute majority of your fibers as mechanical, which would be glass, specifically the bundle glass. And if, because again, this is all I keep hearing, you know, the, the never ending concern is the three quarter inch fiber showing up on the face. So again, I just want to elaborate. The only fibers that we discuss, and I keep saying AR bundle fibers. So the only ones that we're comfortable with is the Owens Corning 135 Tex. They're not, so not the Nippon, not the soft fibers, the 135 Tex. And those are great fibers. And I'm going to say, if they show up minimally. Now, if that's still a concern, then they also make the half inch, which are again, um, little prickly fibers are great. They're, I said, arguably a little more stealthy because they're smaller, but no matter what, this is a situation where mechanical fibers are going to rule the day. And that, then that's where I would say, you know, a fiber combination of some sort. And if you're going to bring PVA in, which is fine, it would be very low loading, you know, 0.15, 0.25%, PVA 15s, and not 7s, because again, you won't have flow for an SEC, so it has to be 15s or above, you know, something in that neighborhood, but definitely mechanical. Well, I've done everything for the last, mm, what year is this, like 11 or 12 years now, has been SCC GFRC. That's mm -hmm. all I've done. And... I don't have ghosting. So all my client projects for all this time have been SCCG for C. No face coat, none of that. Just poured with the air glass fiber in. All the tile in my house. Countertops in my house. I haven't done the bathrooms yet. That's next on my to-do list at the house, but they'll be SCCG for C. If you see photos of my cabin I built in Arkansas, uh, the countertops, the sinks, everything was SCCG for C. Not a single fiber is showing. The only time... They show up is when I'm going to do a class. I'm going to tell people they're not going to show up. Then they're going to show up. Otherwise, they don't show up. It's like, you know, uh, quantum physics, that experiment where they shoot the, the, is it a proton or a photon? I think it's a photon. Through the hole and it separates into two. But then when it's being observed, it doesn't do it because it's being observed, right? Yep. And they're like, oh, how's, it, how's it even know it's being observed? But it does know it's being observed. Glass fibers, they know. If there's nobody observing, they don't show. Well, well that's what class. I was going to say. Or the best time when they will not show is when you want them to. Exactly. When I'm doing a class <laughs> and I tell the people, because this actually happened. I did this, I did a class. Well, you were there and we used rubber molds, which I never use rubber yep. molds. But I, for whatever reason, I pulled these rubber molds off the shelf and we poured SEC into them. And the fibers didn't show, but they ghosted. And the only thing yeah. I think of was the resonance because we we're like, picking up the edge of the rubber mold and dropping really it. Really tapping to, it, yeah. Yeah, to get, to get, you know, it to consolidate really good. And I think that motion, you know, created a vibration, but it was like the resonance of the vibration is different than a, a hard material like melamine or steel or plastic or anything else. And because of that, the fibers were able to get a little bit closer to the surface, so then it ghosted the fibers. So the whole time I've been telling people, it was a demo day. We did a Kodak Pro demo day. That's when it happened. Yeah. I'd yep. been telling the people, you know, all morning, oh, I pour a CGFRC, you know, the, all the things you see here in my shop, these panels, the sinks, everything, they're all, I have these big wall panels in a hallway. It's like, they're all just poured and the fibers are yep. in there, but you don't see them. Awesome. And then we do it and you see them. Yeah. It never happens, but you and know, then we're like, 
Yeah, they, we could have been like people play it off and like pour them again. Well, like, I meant oh, to this do is it. Amazing! It's oh. amazing. Watch, watch, they'll show up, and then they won't show up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what I wanted. Yeah. And when you deliver to the customer, like, what's that? You're like, that's concrete. And then you, you know, yep. collect the check and walk out. You there don't you do go. that. You don't do that. You just do it right to begin with. So they don't show. They don't show unless, like I said, you have an audience. Then they might show. Or if you over-vibrate the concrete, which we don't. But if you do, then you can get the fibers drop out of suspension. They'll end up on the surface. Or if you over-plasticize the concrete, you can get them to drop out of suspension. But those are the things. If you're doing everything the way you're supposed to, they don't show up. Agreed. And as I said, it, the, the only thing along that with anybody under those concerns is we're still not going to, I will not recommend anything in a mechanical AR other than the Owens Corning. So use the half inch instead of the three quarter if you're concerned with it, only because they're a little bit smaller fiber. That's all. They're smaller, but it affects the flowability. That's why I went to 200 filament all those years ago was, you know, you had the mm-hmm. same amount of fiber based on weight, but there's half the number of fibers as far as yeah, I fibers. Agree. I mean, they're, they're, I agree. they're bundled, but I, I think in, but there's less yeah, surface area, mixes, so it flows better. Oh, I agree with you. I'm just saying, but in these mixes, I just, I truly, it's just not perceptible enough. So. Well, it's not perceptible enough. The difference in flow? Flow. Yeah, I, I mean, know. I don't Dude, notice the difference. I haven't That's tried it. the the hundred filament bundles, the half inch bundles. Yeah, I haven't tried those in literally. It's been like 10, 12 years. Last time I used them, so maybe I should try really? them again. Yeah, it's been no, that's because I found, using. you know, this was back when Hiram Ball was alive, and I talked to Hiram back then, and I was doing SEC, and they were selling the hundred filament half inch fibers, and that's what they sold there at their at Ball Consulting. But I, t- I was talking to him about it, and I said, you know, I talked to, back then it was coming from St. Gobain, was the fiber manufacturer, and I think they got bought by somebody, Owens Corning or somebody. Uh, but anyway, St. Gobain, I was talking to, like, somebody, one of their reps, and I said, well, we make a 200 filament as well, and it comes in three-quarter inch. So I said, can you send me some, so send me some, and I tested it. And it flowed so much better, because mm-hmm. there wasn't as much surface area that was impeding, you know, the kind of like the the ball bearings moving through the mix as it's flowing. So anyways, I was talking to Hiram. I'm like, you know, what are your thoughts on this? He said, well, we've actually, they'd already tested it. And they said, you know, there was negligible loss in strength, but it's negligible. He's like, it's so close between the half inch and three quarter inch. That he's like, dude, if you're getting better workability, then do it. Like, and use them. Yeah. yeah, you're not going to lose hardly anything. And if it improves your, your workflow, then do it. And so I've been doing that ever since. And I want to say that was at least... 10 or 12 years I've been doing that. Yeah, I can see that. But like anything else, try them. You know, you just have to find what works for try you, all. Brandon. Try them all. all. They're Buy all some good. Of ours. You just have to find They're what works good. best for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. But no, I, I use the half inch. I like the half inch. Good for you, John. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. for you. I like you the three quarters. Here's the thing. I just, I don't, I'm not overcompensating, so I don't mind the little ones. That's fine. Oh, dude, it's so funny you say that. So I was going through the Walmart parking lot just a couple days ago. I wish I would have turned around and took a photo of this. So I was going through the Walmart parking lot, and there was this huge lifted red truck, like over the top. The rims were red. The bumpers were red. The truck was red. Huge, huge. I mean, probably, I kid you not, like it was to the first step five feet off the ground. It was like yeah. that high. And the license plate on the front said, small dick, big dreams. 
That's what it there said. You go. Dude, I died. I'm like, this guy has a sense of humor. I love it. I mean, you're going to drive a truck like that. You got to have a sense of humor. Small <laughs> dick, on. big dreams. Yeah. There you go. That's <laughs> awesome. That was one time. Yeah. So I was actually my sister, one of her friends and a fiance came over, not my sister's fiance, but her friend's fiance. And same thing. He pulls up in this big lifted pickup truck, you know, and he comes in and we're all sitting around shooting the shit. And as I walked out and this is at my mom's place, I opened the door. I'm like, man, is that your pickup? He's like, yeah. I'm like, I just looked at him like, dude, I'm sorry, man. (laughs) (laughs) If only, you know, if only plastic surgery was as easy as, you know, making breasts, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) just, Quick little implant, you're up rocking and rolling, then he's, you know, brings his truck back down. Well, there's different <laughs> levels of lifted trucks. You know, there's lifted trucks where you're doing it because you are compensating for something. You know, there's that level no, of lifted truck. They are look nice. But then there's look. lifted trucks. We did a class at Dusty's once, and this dude pulled up in a truck that was one of the craziest trucks I'd ever seen. It was brand new. And this was, I don't know, probably seven, eight years ago now. Brand new, it was like an F-350, brand new, lifted every available option that you could get at the dealership on that truck. So it had lights, bars, bigger tires, bigger wheels, bed cover, winch, all the stuff, right? Loaded out, like whatever the highest level package that they had, King Ranch, and then everything else you could do, you know, like... And he said, I was talking to the guy, and he was a very successful real estate developer for like commercial real estate. And I was talking to him. He's like, dude, he's like, I go to the dealership every year and I say, give me your most expensive truck. And then I say, he goes to like the parts department and the, it's all on the loan. He's like, I want everything on this truck yeah, because it's, it up. it's a tax write-off for him. He has to yeah. do it. And it has to be bigger than the last year. Cause that's the whole thing, you know, like you have to do something bigger than last year. And so he's like, I don't, I don't necessarily want this truck, but this is a truck that from a business viewpoint, I have to do to get a, a tax write-off. But then there's that level of lifted truck where you're doing it for, from a business viewpoint. And I can respect that. And it was a cool truck. I mean, I would drive that truck, but it was ridiculous. Yeah, but I think that the reality of is if any of these truck manufacturers actually did some of the modifications that all of us actually like, you know, a two, three inch lift, leveling kit, some nice rims and tires, and just made that part of the stock item. Come on, man. That's, when I guess like anything else. Okay, now we're talking cars. One thing I, I I hate about Jeep is the Jeeps that are off the lot for what you pay for, you already know you're putting 20 grand or more into it to actually make them look cool. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So I would say at the price of pickups, and again, I, maybe I brought this up. We were over a minute ago. My, you know, my son's going to be 16 here this coming year. So we're looking at mid-sized pickups for him. I don't know. I think a boy needs a pickup truck, you know, for his football and put his, all his stuff in and et cetera, et cetera. So we just happened to stop at the Ford dealer, look at some of their used pickups. And while I was there, I'm like, you know, come on, you can't not walk over and see the eye candy sitting on the parking lot. Right. So I walked over to this brand new F-250 Tremor. I don't even know what Tremor is in a, in that class of vehicles. I have no idea. 90, well, I'm just going to round it $97,000 for this new pickup. And I just thought right then and there, and I'm like, gosh, you know what, man, that's a nice looking pickup, but now I'm going to turn around and put another, whatever, 
three grand into some, you know, nicer rims and stuff. Why don't they just do that to begin with? <laughs> Dude, I just sent you while you're talking. If you get on Facebook, I sent it in Messenger. But I sent you, there's a, a dealership that takes Chevy, new Chevy trucks and turns them into Cheyennes. Okay. So it does like the custom paint job and the old style, like white uh, lettered oh, tires. White and blue. And, yeah, yeah. Dude. Oh, there you go. Dude. See, this is what they should be doing. This, this is, is what they, they should, should be doing. doing. Yeah. yeah. From the factory, because people would buy it. You know, when people do the Toyotas, like when they do like the cool racing stripes on them, like they used to do in the 1980s, and they right. have those on new ones. That's what they should be doing now. No like, question. Bring it back. Bring it exactly. back. Exactly. Yeah. Then, then let's talk those kind of numbers. Even those numbers still are crazy. They're still crazy. Oh, they're, no, the new pickups are insane. There's no question. But yeah, what you just posted, it's got a modest, nice little lift. It's got the chrome. It's got the color. And that's what I mean by just a nice set of rims and tires. I mean, that's a nice looking pickup. Yeah. It's a throwback and it looks good. Right. You know, there's, I follow a brand. I mean, I always love a Icon 4x4. So Icon, I-C-O-N, they're great. And the guy... Yeah, I, I like him because I think, like me, if I made vintage FJs, I would be doing what he's doing because he sweats the details. He loves the details. He loves to geek out on these like little tiny details and really do them as good as he can. If I went to that field, that's what I'd be doing. I would really be focused on the details. So Icon is amazing. But I follow another company called Centaur, 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 S-I-N-T-O-R, S-I-N-T-O-R. And they make these ridiculous lifted F350s. Ridiculous. And they start like at 250 to 350,000 as their starting price. And uh, again, just bananas. And nobody's ever going to take them off road. You're never yeah. going to take that thing off road. You spent 350,000 on it. But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with you, man. I'm with you 100%. How do we get to this from tile? We we're talking about I concrete know. tile. Now we're talking about $350,000. F-350s. Well, I just say, I could turn this back into concrete. There okay, you go. This brings us full circle. Okay. Maybe not full circle, but definitely quite a bit around, is what, what are the details that we appreciate? We appreciate. And I'm going to go back to that post with the various people who don't do this a living. By the way, not only they do not do this for a living, they have no clientele. They also happen to be selling you the products. The right? products that put the air in the mix to begin the, with. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And so it keeps coming back to, it's not about what you like. It's about what the customer likes. Oh, you see? Right. Okay. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. You know, as you're just saying, what you, the same thing. What do I appreciate? I appreciate focus on details. And at the end of the day... That's why I get hired now that I think about it. I get hired to do these projects because of my focus on these kind of things. So I'm willing to say if I showed up to a customer with something clearly outside of what they would have expected from John Schuler, they're not going to pay yeah. for it. No matter outside what. That's sort of level of quality that people expect right. when they're paying that price point. They don't expect Correct. foam crete. They want concrete, but they don't want that concrete to be non-functional. Agreed. 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 And I, like I said, not to keep picking on the people who chimed back with their quote-unquote expert opinions, is that when you get something that bad, that full of air, with that many voids, I don't know. I mean, would you cast the same – as they keep – you know. 
did you cast samples? Did you show the customer what to expect? You set expectations. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just don't know how to hammer this home any more than we do is the type of information that comes from these people who do not and have not done this as a living, who don't have clients and haven't had clients, you know, to, to all of that, that they're spitting out. It just sounds so ridiculous to me. Well, it looks ridiculous Absolutely to us because we ridiculous. know the hypocrisy in what they're saying. But somebody that's new, you just came to this industry. You don't know that this dummy over here doesn't know what he's talking about. You don't know that. But, you know, and he, he presents himself as an expert. Now, the way I've always done it in my shop is I just leave the air holes. I tell the client, hey, buddy, this is concrete. Yeah. No, you don't. It looks like concrete. No, you yeah, don't. that's concrete. You've that's never done that. That's what it looks like. Well, no. but you can imagine how it would be if you did, right? Right. <laughs> uh, no, I can't. And, and there's a reason nobody's doing that because clients aren't going to accept that as acceptable. So let's bring this full circle back to previous podcast, which when you were talking, this was on my mind. People hire you, John, because you sweat the small things. You sweat the yeah. details. That's what they're coming to you for. You know what they're not coming for you to for to you for, John? My looks? Your low price. The low, low oh. price. Come to no, John Schuler today for the low, low price no. of $75 a square foot. I'll get you a concrete countertop, young man. They're not coming to you for a low price. They're coming to you for quality. They're coming to you quality. for details. And so, again... As a concrete artisan trying to make it in this field, do not ever sell price and don't focus on price. If you want to be the low-cost leader, if you want to have a race to the bottom, then make that your selling point. And I promise you there's some dummy on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace that'll beat you by $5 every day of the week, right? I'm 75. Well, I'm 70. Well, I'm 65. Well, I'm 60. And you go, just keep going down until both of you are paying them. You know, I'll pay you $1,000. Let me do it for you. You know, and I'll pay you 2000 that's what we're going to end up as. So what you need to focus on is quality. You need to be the best. And people get so mad when you say the best. And it's funny that you know we said that we make the best products and people went nuts about this. And now I'm seeing all over Facebook all these vendors that sell like literally yeah. the worst things in the world saying, we make the best products. This is the best. Okay. The best. The mm, best. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. And those are the same people grilling us. I know. How dare you? How dare you? That's just horrible. Uh, uh, Yeah. (laughs) The the Karen getting triggered thing. Triggered! Anyways. But you want to focus on quality. You want to focus on design. You want to focus on craftsmanship. You want to focus on all the things of why somebody is going to seek you out. Whoever you are, wherever you're located, they're coming to you for that. Not because... You're cheap, not because of your price. Your price should always be the last part of the conversation. It should be a negligible part of the conversation. If a client's coming to you for a chair or a sink or a planter or a ping pong table or whatever it is, you're the only person in the world that can deliver what it is they're looking for, and the price doesn't matter to that client. That's who you want to be, and that's how you want to run your business. I promise you, because I've seen this happen over 20 years. The attrition rate, we talk about this, and you know the vendor's mm-hmm. like, well, I, you know, I haven't seen a 90% Turnover in this industry? Yeah, I've had thousands and thousands of customers. Well, you just said it, brother. You just said it. There's not thousands of people doing this. In the U.S., there's maybe 100 people in a given time doing it, and you've had thousands and thousands of customers? Well, it sounds like there's quite a bit of turnover then. Yeah. So anyways, 
the attrition rate's super high, and it's super high because they miss the boat. They miss the boat. They focus too much on materials cost. They focus too much on this. They focus too much on that. They focus too much on all the things that aren't important. In the, the day, design is important. Quality materials important. Making products people want to buy are important. Those are the things that you should be focused on. Price is not one of the things. No, I'm with you. Yeah. The other side of it that nobody wants to focus on are not enough, and because we know most of them, or at least if we're not friends with them, you know, we know where they're at and what they're doing and how they're doing it. Those people who have lasted a very long time, man, you go talk to them. They've had the same struggles as everybody else trying to balance labor costs and product and clients. And, um, so in any, and this is just reality, those guys claiming, because what was the words actually said in that? It sounds like a scare tactic or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but again, why, it, it was what, never, what, Hold on. Why is this? Why in the world would we yeah. be trying to scare people? Why? To be profitable. It doesn't make any sense. We're telling people this is the reality of this industry. And here's right. why. It does here's no why. good for us to scare anybody. No. Yeah. We're going to scare you into doing this for well, a living? Go, though. If, if that's possible, then absolutely. If I can scare somebody to the point of being profitable, okay. <laughs> I, I guess I'm okay with that. Yeah. If you... If you if I scare you in a way to look at your numbers, like I've had hard looks at my numbers to figure out what you're using and what you're charging. And so the end of the day, they're still, you know, in other words, you're not borrowing on a credit card for your kids to get braces. Like you legitimately have built that room for your life out of a business that does more than just pay your bills and scrape by. Well then, yeah, I guess I have no problem with that scare tactic because in, 15 years running blue concrete and Buddy Rhodes products, I watched the names come and go. Yeah. I watched them. I mean, even today, to this day, my wife or other people will be like, hey, have you ever heard of so-and-so? No. No, no, I've heard of mm -hmm. And I hop online, you'll say, have you heard of this guy? No, no, no. I'll go to their website. There's always a whole new batch of people coming in this industry. And then we see on Facebook, people selling all their tools, all their equipment, you know, people yep. going out. There's this churn rate. There's a churn, constant churn, constant churn. And it doesn't have to be that way, but people don't have the conversations about what is causing that churn, you know? Right. And those are the things that I would much rather see things stabilize in a sense of the artisans that are here today are here in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. I'd love to see that. Right. In, so, in a well-established making money business. No exactly. question. Exactly. And, and we said the float the all boats, which I know I keep going back to time and time again, uh, that concrete company in Australia. Yeah. That now was this legitimately 100% based on the products they were using failing? Well, the simple answer to that is yes. I mean, these were cracking later, you know, they, they were having a lot of problems and they ended up having to close their doors. And then the reality of that, I even said in the last the podcast we brought it up is, yeah, there was a lot of people, you know, it's like, oh, great. And then they were waiting for this business to come their way. But the business didn't come their way because the people got such bitter taste in their mouths for the failure rate about what was going on that led them to closing their doors. It didn't actually help anybody. Yeah. It, it hurt progress of the further business. I mean, our aim or... Uh, I don't mind yours. Our aim as an industry should be to continue to elevate the game. So the next somebody coming in 
does nothing but help escalate for everybody else yeah. and vice versa. You leave a foundation. You know, I guess it's much like packing. You know, you leave that, leave it better, <laughs> leave it better than when you came. I mean, that's packing. my hope even for this industry. What are you talking about packing? I mean, you know, when people pack their stuff to go camping and they leave all their crap out there instead of like, huh? no, take the time to clean the area. It's not packing. Yeah. Camping. That's what I'm talking about. No. Yeah. No, when you pack in, pack out. That's what I'm talking Dude. about. Leave it you better gotta, than you, you, gotta, you gotta complete your sentences. You're doing it again. You're like leaving out key parts of it. Brain. Packing. Packing what? I'm packing tape. So packing, packing tape. <clears throat> John and I and another gentleman went to Australia once to teach a class. And we got stopped by customs and they searched us as we entered Australia. Yeah. And, and it was because of you guys, redheads and tattoos. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the funny thing is, between John and I, John is, I, I would say, a thousand percent smarter than me. Intelligence. Way smarter than I am. I and I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm a way better designer. You're way smarter. That's okay. So John is super, super intelligent. Okay. So the lady who's, who's going to search my bag, because we're all in this room together and these stainless steel tables and we have these uh, customs agents. She says, is your bag? Yes. Did you pack your bag? Yes, I did. She's like, we're going to proceed. Okay. She unzips my bag. Now, I used to travel for a living. Before I started my company, I was a trainer in the hotel industry. I used to travel. And I'm meticulous with my packing. So I pack everything in cubes. All my t-shirts are in a cube. My jeans are in a cube. My boxers are in a cube. My socks are in a cube. And they're all rolled. And they're all color coordinated. My shirts are in the ombre from like black to white. Perfect ombre. I am psychotic with my packing. So she unzips my bag. She sees the cubes all perfectly laid out. She's like, I'm going to ask you again. Did you pack your bag? I'm like, yes, I did. She unzips the first cube, which was a t-shirt cube, which of all the cubes is, is the most OCD of all the cubes because it was perfectly color coordinated. She unzips that first cube and she like looks at it. She looks at me again. She's like, I'm going to ask you one more time and I need you to be honest. Did you pack your bag? I'm like, what are you implying here? And right about then, they unzip you John's bag. Alive. Yeah, they unzip John's bag and it literally springs open like it <laughs> burst open under its own pressure and John had not packed anything. Nothing was fold. Nothing was rolled. He had literally just taken all his clothes like he took them out of the, out of the dryer directly into his bag, sat on the bag, zipped it closed because it wouldn't close on like a some. jack in the box dude, dude. But the reality is if they're like we're gonna check in your bag i was like dude and i said to her in that handle first i said he's the brains <laughs> that guy's the brains what are you trying to apply here that guy's a smart one of us look at his bag look at my bag like what are you trying to imply I'm, I'm too stupid to pack my own bag this well like what are you trying to imply anyways so you speaking of packing made me think of that no that's what situation mm. what you pack in you pack out yeah. But no, we do want to leave it better. You know, that there's that old saying, like, uh, the, the truly wise man plants a tree knowing that he'll never sit in its shade. Right. That's what we should be doing as an industry. We should be not just doing for us, but doing it for the next 50 years of like, let's build this better. Let's make this better. Let's increase the standards. Let's increase the perception. Let's increase what it should Agreed. be. What it should be. You know, the perception of architects and designers and builders should be that concrete is a premium material that's life-friendly, that's durable, that doesn't crack, that doesn't stain, that doesn't peel, that doesn't yellow, that doesn't do all the things that we've all believed that it does based on the last 20 years 
of bad well, experiences. Or the next article you read. What exactly. are the 10 most but, you know, but what are those based services? on? That's based on the last 20 years of people taking an acrylic or automotive clear coat or whatever they yep. find at Home Depot, Lowe's, Napa, O'Reilly, wherever they go, and they slap it on concrete and they say, there you go, young man. You can't stain it. You can't scratch it. Yeah. And then in a year, it's all peeled off and it's turned yellow. Right. And that's what it's they're talking about. about. Mega problem. Yeah. But that's that's been the last two decades. Now, it hasn't been the entire industry, but that's been enough of it that it's changed people's perceptions of what this material can be. Uh, it, you know, and there are articles. People post them on these Facebook groups of some article written where somebody's, you know, some author is bashing concrete as a right. choice for interiors. And I get it. I understand where they're coming from because I've seen plenty of bad stuff. I, you know, a podcast we did on it probably a year ago, I'd went to, um, I think, P.F. Chang's. And there was a sink in there from a very well-known big concrete brand that was horrid, horrid. The sealer had all peeled off and they claimed they have a stain-proof, stainless oh, concrete. That, yeah. All the sealer was gone. The whole surface was degraded. I mean, it was as rough as rough can be. It, it was horrible. It was black with mold. It was disgusting. And that is the perception. That's in a national chain restaurant from a company that's selling a, a sink that's sealed with a topical sealer that claims that it's stain-proof, that's claimed, they call it stainless concrete, and obviously that's not the case. And so those experiences shift the public perception of what concrete is and what it can be. And we need to, as an industry, shift it back to where it should be and where it can be. Or where it can be. Exactly. Yeah, because that's what I said, the... When, when those, these various articles come out, like, you know, the 10 surfaces to see, you know, whatever sunset magazine or whatever the case may be, what's always interesting to me is people who do this as a living, whatever version of that is, you'll see all these people like, Oh, I can't believe they say that. And, or, and I don't know, man, it's, um, but a lot of the materials haven't changed a whole lot over the years since, since some of the original stuff has taken place, you know, urethanes are still going to yellow. That's yeah. just the way it is. You know, they will to, they should not be used exterior. This is not, and should not be a secret to anybody that they're not UV stable, no matter how many, you know, stabilizers they put in it. They're not stable. Not long term stable. They might be for no. a year. Yeah. They might for a year or two, but yeah. they're going to yellow out well, or even in a, in a dude, coming, cars. Light, you know, light that comes through a front window into your kitchen. Dude, or my, living room my or truck that now has a big dent in the hood from this tree falling on it, but you know, whatever my truck, if I put vinyl decals on the side of my truck and I keep it for five years, it's white, white truck, brand new. If I keep it for five years and I peel those vinyl decals off, the color white behind it is different than the rest of the truck. That clear mm. coat that they put the automotive clear coat that they put on that truck has UV stabilizers in it, but it doesn't prevent degradation over time. It just slows the process. It doesn't stop it. It doesn't keep it from ever happening. It just makes it a little bit slower, but it happens. And that's why, that's why I don't put decals on my truck, you know, cause I don't want to go to trade it in, in five years and we take it off and it says Gore design company in a different color of white on the side of the truck. Yeah. That's going to that look like a white Dalmatian. Exactly. But that's going to hurt my, my resale. So this is, you know, these are the, the truths that people don't want to talk about. They want to believe you can get the stuff in a can and you spray it with a sprayer and all your problems are solved. And I wanted to believe that years ago and I did believe it. But, you know, you do it for long enough and you have enough bad experiences and you stop believing the rhetoric of people that are just repackaging, downpacking some other off-the-shelf product and selling it to you and they don't care if you make it or don't make it. There's always somebody else right behind you that's willing to buy it from, from them again. 
there's too much of that that happens. That ha- as an industry, we got to do better. We got to start supporting yeah. as an industry the businesses, the the actual materials vendors to actually support us. That's what I think. Exactly. Yeah. But like I said, I as I said before, my hope is moving forward, we as even though we take the heat or continue to take the heat is it elevates the game for everybody because I'll say until you demand more out of your materials, the people giving you the materials aren't looking to change them. Yeah. Why would they? Yeah. Why would they? When they can just go to Napa and get another five gallon pail of this and put it in the courts and sell it to you for 10,000% markup. Why would they, you know, well, enough of that. Uh, Workshop we have coming up. August 9th through 11th, Concrete Heroes Quest, Napa, California, Ramcrete, GFRC, Upright Casting, Post-Tension well, Concrete. Weeks. What's it's that? a month away. Yeah, that's coming up. Yeah. A little more than a month, five weeks, but yeah. it's coming up. So we're now half full for the class. And it's always the last few weeks leading up to the class, and we're five weeks out that we have the majority of the registration. So like last time, last time we filled up, we're going to fill up this time. If you're thinking about coming, hop on the website, ConcreteDesignSchool.com, Register today, and we look forward to seeing you there. Anything you want to add, John? No, not at the moment. Hey, you know, you and I have something that we've been doing, and we have a big announcement we're going to make soon. We're not ready to make it yet, but it's made better to make better, which is such a good slogan. And the funny thing was, it was one of our customers that, that came up with it. Yep. Uh, you're talking to somebody, and they said, you know, John, I'm able, I'm able to, to make things better because these products are made better. And you told me that. I'm like, made better to make better. Like, mm-hmm. that is phenomenal. And I wrote it down, and, and it's, uh, it's become kind of our, our slogan for 2023. There's so many different things that that applies to, you know, as far as things that can be made better because of the materials. And one of them is money. Make better money. And for you, what does that mean? Make better money by using materials to make better. How, how would that happen for a customer? Oh, just what we've been talking about. So I'm not saying what you could, I guess. I'm not talking about my perception wouldn't necessarily be increasing your price. But if your quality goes up, I do believe your price should go up. To me, making better money is just that. There's less time, less of your time spent on this project. So ultimately, that amount of money that you charge has a much larger amount going into your bank account to feed your family to for the next like like headed out to Vegas here pretty soon for a shoot to pay for your life instead of just covering your basic necessities that to me is making better money 100% that's what i wrote down i have little notes here that's exactly what time savings time is money time yeah and if you're Period. able to to make better use of your time, to spend you know a quarter amount of time on that project, then you made far better money on that project by using materials that were made better. So made better to make better. Make better money by using materials that are made better. You know, I think every week we'll we'll hit one of these little topics at the very end of the podcast where we talk about different things that can be made better. But right, that was the first one was make better money. Uh, on that note, want to call it? Let's do it, man. Okay, well. I'm going to get back to it. I'm leaving tomorrow for vacation. I think you're leaving. When are you leaving? Next week. Next week. Next week. I'm leaving tomorrow. And everybody's excited because it's going to be somewhere between 112 and 116 degrees in Vegas. Dude, I'm heading to the beach, Florida. Actually, Alabama on the Gulf right there, but it's on the border of Florida. 
There was a shark. It was on CNN yesterday. Uh, a shark swimming between people. It's like a 12-foot shark swimming between huh. people about 20, 20 miles down the beach from where we're at. So, you know, sharks don't care about 20 miles. So that's nothing. The shark is swimming between people, and it's huge. It's dorsal fin sticking up like, you know, 16, 18 inches out of the water. And uh, I'm like, oh, God. Uh, it is what it is. I guess if I get bit by a shark, I want everybody to know I love you. I love every one of you. Yes, you. you. I'm talking to you right now. I love you. Yeah, but statistically, there's not enough to warrant it. <laughs> I don't know, That's... dude. I'd be, a, I'd be a juicy little morsel to a shark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd get spit out. Not me. He's like, oh, this is fat. Fat's, yeah. for, fat's <laughs> where the flavor delicious. is. Everybody knows that. Sharks know that. It's like Wagyu beef. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very finely marbled. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right Anyways. All right, buddy. All right, man. Good talking to you. Adios. Adios.